And so I have to work really hard and endure this pain because then I get the reward of this body that's mm-hmm. like socially acceptable, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, I didn't want to do that mm-hmm. because it, my body has served me, you yes. know? Like, it serves. Yes. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. So, Blonde yes. Hey, loves. My name is Dantea and I'm your fave self worth therapist and coach. And this is my show, Situationship. This show is about getting out of toxic situationships that go beyond partners to family and friends and everything in between to living a life of joy and self-worth. Okay, let's get into it. Hello, everyone. I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. I know it's been a long time. I'll tell you about the reasons why later, but I want to let everyone know that I'm a little sick right now, so I may be coughing at some points, but that's not important because what's important today is that I have someone very special. Her name is Janelle. She lives in Seattle, Washington. She is a racial equity advocate, and she has three cats right now at the time of this recording, but six months from now, she can have four. (laughs) So who knows? We'll just keep checking in. So everyone, welcome Janelle to the podcast. I'm excited to be here. Like I woke up this morning, <laughs> got ready, and was like, I'm gonna be on the day's podcast. Yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. I just have to tell the people like this person is so special to me, and oh. I'm still trying to figure out in all the ways why she's so special, besides just her taking it upon herself to introduce herself to me when we first met when I was still living in Seattle and her <laughs> you know how you meet people and you're like is this really them no <laughs> no this is who she is this is the kind of person where you go out at six o'clock and by seven she will say okay I'm tired so I'm gonna I'm gonna go to bed now and just leave you on the rooftop look with your thoughts you're like oh, oh I love that about her. She's like, I put me first, and I know you're going to enjoy her today. Chanel, girl. Yes. We are talking about some stuff today. All right. I'm ready. (laughs) We are talking about relationships, of course. And I know for you, you have a angle that you want to take on that talking about like like healing from relationships but more so it sounds like you want to talk about the pain yeah. in those relationships yeah yeah it definitely um so i've been learning a lot recently about pain and like the expectation of pain that's placed mm-hmm. upon us in society like there's a lot of ways in which culturally we are expected to endure pain whether that be relationally like platonic relationships or romantic ones or even culturally Mm -hmm. um so like one of the things that i was thinking about to myself is like this concept of being tender-headed and how like you know especially within black culture like if you're tender-headed it's one of those things in which you're negatively (laughs) being viewed right um Mm -hmm. So I was at my hair salon and I should say former hair salon because that's, that's the relationships we're talking about, right? Moving Good. on. Yes. Um, and I was getting my hair blow dried and mm. my stylist kept snatching like my hair, like getting caught in the comb and blow drying it. And I was like, Hey, like my scalp, like that actually hurts. And yeah. 
she kind of had this like dismissive response to it and i've been conditioned because like here's this like tender-headed obligation Mm -hmm. of enduring right Mm -hmm, and so mm -hmm. i sat through that but in retrospect i was thinking about that and i was like Mm -hmm. this is ridiculous like I shouldn't be in pain or be expected to endure pain Mm -hmm. in really any area of life. Uh, But especially in an environment that's supposed to be relaxing and rejuvenating, like getting your hair Mm -hmm. done, you know? Mm -hmm. Exactly. I, that, just talking about black women being in the salons is such a traumatic relationship. Mm -hmm. It's like the most wildest thing because you are actually the client you are actually here to pay for a service, yet you are the one that has to be on your best behavior. Yeah. You're the one that can't make a scene, make a fuss. Mm-hmm. Um, I think sometime last year, I like broke down and cried in the chair. I was like, this oh, hurts. No. I just don't. And I've, I've known this lady since I was a child, so like yeah. that's why I felt so comfortable to do so. Mm-hmm. But I was just telling her, I'm like, this really hurts. Like, I don't know if it's because I came out of braids too soon mm-hmm. to get my hair blow-dried. But it's just, like, it didn't have to be this painful. Also, like, when you put, like, a racial equity lens on this, when you think about schools, like, salon schools, they're mostly, or cosmetology schools, Mm -hmm. they're mostly privately owned. And Mm -hmm. so they don't have to think about educating people in different hair textures. So for a lot of black people who are in the hair care cosmetology profession, they've had to learn things on their own. And for better or worse, sometimes the learning was not the best, right? Yeah. And then also compa- compact that with generational trauma mm-hmm. um, and inaccessibility and stig- stigmas against therapy. Like, yeah. you have, like, a perfect brewing storm for people to have to endure exactly what you're saying like mm-hmm. pain is normalized as part of the beautification process mm-hmm. but even like i'm gonna take it one step further because you know this is what i do Please but like do. look like even thinking about the fact of like having your hair man- manipulated so much to fall into society's standards of beauty even when that's like a subculture right? our mm-hmm. own black culture standards of beauty yeah. is also a form of trauma too like so I think there's a lot of layers to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I say all of that to say that I understand context, like the context of what happens in hair salons and like this beautiful post that I saw on the internet that like mm-hmm. was this just a moment of knowing and awakening, <laughs> right? Where it's like you can understand context and also advocate for yourself. Absolutely. It wasn't, honestly, it wasn't until was it oh maybe three months ago i found this new salon black owned like in the name it was talking about natural hair so i was like okay they're probably gonna know how to treat me right and this girl she comes over she washes my hair it's gentle like that's usually the most gentle process for me and then we go to the blow dry and i'm like okay here we go you know i was like i said so my hair um you have to start at the ends to blow dry your way through. And it's, and even that telling a, a professional how to do their job. But it's just like, I've been with my hair the longest out of the two of us. Yeah. So I know, I know it works for me. She's like, no problem. I got you. I got you. So she starts putting the products on and she starts blow drying it. And Janelle, when I tell you that was the most like soft, 
like nurturing mm. experience I've ever had. Like not once was I in pain. She actually continuously asked me, this is, am I hurting you? Let me know if I'm hurting you. And I'm like, like I could have cried. Yeah. It was so caring. Like not once did I do the whole head jerking mm-hmm, thing. Mm-hmm. And she actually, um, educated me. She was like, when you get out of braids, you need to, um, have like a deep trim because that's the tangling at the end. And that's when it really hurts you. So what we did, we stopped and she, um, trimmed my ends, which is a, another thing because a lot of black girls want their hair to be super long. And so if you trim it, you're going to slow down the growth. Me, I just want healthy hair. Yeah. <laughs> Cut it off, girl. If we have to, I don't care. Yes. Um, so Cut she it. trimmed the end. No, sorry. <laughs> Whoa, what? What? Same. And she blow dried it again, and it was like it was just so luxurious. It was amazing, and I was like, "Damn!" So you can have experiences like that. You don't have to be in pain. And that's the thing too. I find that it's like going back to like the starting point is like you're having to teach this person, and that's already like what has happened in the conditioning of your process of going to salons and your expectations of pain that you know immediately, like, I have to get in front of the pain Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. hope, hope that this person will listen to Mm -hmm. me Mm -hmm. and see my humanity enough Mm -hmm. to realize that it's not okay for this process to be painful, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. I find for myself, like, in those situations... Now unlearning the apologetic tone that I take of like, yeah, you know, like, you know, um, yeah, if you can just kind of, you know, Mm. start from the back and like, in a fearful way of like not wanting to provoke this person, but also feeling like apologetically, like apologetic that like my pain is inconvenient to you. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes, girl. And also what I'm learning in my life, and I was telling you earlier about my experience um, at the resort in Mexico, like, it's okay to walk away, mm-hmm. you know? And it and it's, I mean, how awful is that when you plan this hair appointment and you've done all the things and, um, okay, I'm going to get this service done. But if in the first 10 minutes you're already feeling disrespected or they're not listening and you think to yourself, well, dang, I really need to get my hair done, so let me just stay. Like... You might not even feel comfortable enough asking, hey, can I actually work with that person? Let me know when they're free. Yeah. Like, you don't even want to do that, but I'm, and I'm learning. It's okay to walk away. I don't have to endure this. Yeah. I can leave. I can leave. That's like, and that's such a powerful truth that I think is like, that's so hard. You know, I'm 35 and Mm -hmm. it was this year that it was like, I don't have to stay in pain. Yeah. I can leave. I can walk away from that. Like yeah. friendships, relationships, yeah. jobs, and like yeah, anything, no. you know? Yeah. yeah. I was at the gym the other day and I was working out and I started to feel, you know, that pain of like, uh, no pain, no game pain. <laughs> oh my God. Yes. Pain, right. Yes. And I stopped and I said like, I don't enjoy this. Mm-hmm. Like, th- this is just painful to me. And so I was on the mechanical bike and yeah. I just slowed down and went to a pace in which it was like, I'm just moving mm-hmm. and I'm finding joy in the movement, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. And it was the single best exercise or workout that I've had in my entire life. Mm-hmm. And I ended up staying on the bicycle for a lot longer than yeah. I had expected. And yeah. it's like, I think that like, one of the things that I've been fortunate enough to be around in the last year, um, there's a book called The Body is Not an Apology. Mm-hmm. And like, thinking about how like, when I go to the gym and I'm working out really hard, like, you know, like, um, I'm almost apologizing for my body as it is. Like, I owe the world and the culture to be in some sort of shape. And so I have to work really hard and endure this pain because then I get the reward of this body that's like Mm -hmm. socially acceptable. Right. Yeah. 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 But like, I didn't want to do that because Mm -hmm. my body has served me, you know, like it serves. (laughs) You know, and like, I don't have to apologize for existing as I exist. And yeah. so, like, getting back to that place of, like, I can move and live in... Mm-hmm. As I exercise, I do it because it feels good. Yeah. And so, like, on the other side of releasing pain in places that it has no purpose in life, there's so much joy to be found. Of Like, mm-hmm. now I can embrace this idea and concept of joyful movement. And I actually yeah. just get to like that... I went and I worked out and it felt good and I go on with my day. Yeah. Yeah. I really love how you are bringing in this notion of pain. I think a lot of women can say that they have to have um, a relationship with pain and accepting one and a, a pre-assuming one. And I think when it comes to like women of color and black women, I, I think you're right. Like our bodies are already not more so a little bit more now. Our bodies are kind of, more accepted because more white women are getting the surgeries and things like that. Just still in the general sense, though, it's like I have to endure pain or I have to starve myself or I have to get my hair straightened or I get this sew in and if, even if it hurts or even if it's pulling out my edges. And I even think about pain when it comes to sex. Like I've met many women along the way, me, myself, when I was younger having sex, if it was painful, I thought like I'm not supposed to say anything. You know, because it looks like he's enjoying himself. So I'm not going to say anything because I don't want him to think I'm whatever. End result, leave me or say you're so sensitive or not even thinking I could ask for it to stop, you know, and it's just it's wild because you're so right. It's like, oh, I can't even like pain is everywhere. And so when I started, I remember when I started to actually say to people, people <laughs> okay hot girl summer people the persons that i was having sex with i was hard to say hey that hurts and really like feeling really like nervous and scared like oh shit like what's gonna happen now yeah most of the times if they disagree with it i stopped talking to them but when they were like oh okay well let's try a different position like that was like so liberating like oh great I can I can enjoy this too. That's right. I am here. I am a part of this moment. It's just not about serving him. Oh, gosh, I'm getting like all the fills. It's like just tingling up and down. Yes. Like because that's so beautiful. Living in that liberation and like mm-hmm. Audrey Lord even talks about you know like 
reclaiming the power of pleasure in our life and like adrian marie brown who's this activist who has amazing work she has a whole book called pleasure activism and just how like reconnecting with pleasure is a form of liberation especially Mm -hmm. for black women especially Mm -hmm. for people who are marginalized and on the outside of like all access to power and privilege within Mm -hmm. our society and Mm -hmm. like so i just like oh i just i feel so many feels about like you getting that like that pleasure and that like that voice back because it's so important that we're Mm -hmm. able to find that that is like a deep and profound thing that you have just said and i just i love that for you thank you thank you no i think I think it's so important. I was telling my friend yesterday, I was like, dang, I just feel like, funny, you mentioned, I feel like I just need pleasure right now in my life. Like, and pleasure for me, what that looks like are many things. It looks like staying in bed all day on a Saturday. Um, Yesterday, it looked like um, going to Nothing Bunt Cakes. Have you heard of that place? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Well, I was, I'm new to it. So (laughs) I was like, I'm going to Nothing Bunt Cakes, got my little cake. And then I was like, I want some wine. So then we went to Whole Foods. Um, and right when you walked in, there was like salami and like cheese slices. Like basically saying like, hey, buy this cheese and meat and whatever. Yeah. And so I had this thought. I was like, well, I don't know what that cheese tastes like. Let me see if I can sample it. Mm. So I go over and ask the worker. And I'm like, hey, can I sample this cheese? And even asking that, I think a lot of us would never ever do that yeah you can ask for what you want i'm again this is an exchange i'm here to pay for number one i'm in fucking whole foods like come on like yeah (laughs) i if i walked up in this bitch you know i'm about to spend some money yeah so if i want to sample this cheese i should be able to so he was like oh yeah go to the person in the back whatever okay so i grabbed the cheese go to the back i was like hey can i sample this cheese he's like sure sampled it i said i don't like it and he was like okay I was like, can you help me find another one? And just like asking, like, uh, can you serve that. me, basically? Yeah. And me receiving that. Mm-hmm. And so he pulled out another cheese. He's like, handed it to me. He's like, hey, this one's really good. I said, thanks. Can I sample it? Yeah. He was like, sure. And so I sampled it. And I actually, I bought it. But also knowing, like, I didn't have to. I can be served and still walk away. Uh, you know? I love this. Like, oh, Dantea. <laughs> like, I love that. But, okay, my question is, like, yeah. Who or what, how, how did you find that voice that says, mm. like, exactly what you said? Like, I can walk away from this. Like, yeah. I can taste something, find that it's not for me, and mm-hmm. walk away. And, like, yeah. and I know you did it with a little pep in your step, too. Okay. Like, <laughs> you know, I did, girl. I have my cleavage on everything. Um, I, I'm just gonna take a quick pause, real quick. Mm-hmm. Everyone, I know you're probably thinking the same thing I'm thinking. Whose podcast is this? Is this Janelle's? <laughs> But hey, if my friend wants to ask me a question, I'm going to answer it because we're having a great time here. Um, I've learned that in many ways. I think I think very early on, I learned it from my mother. I always would watch her just like say shit as it is. Um, is her tact a lot more prickly? Yeah. Yeah. My mom too. Yes, it is. And I, I was like, I remember we would go in the grocery stores and she would open the bag of grapes and she would take a grape and she would taste it. 
or we would go when we moved to the south she would we would go to Publix and she would ask them she uh, could taste the watermelon and they would slice it they were like open the watermelon and slice it and let her taste it and I got to watch that this like single black woman just asking for what she needed and it getting done and like not being any qualms Mm -hmm. about it and so for me I channeled I channeled that um I've also been through a lot of hurt and I got so tired of feeling silenced and shut down, whether it was by professors, friends, family members, um, being cut in line by white people, mm-hmm. like it's just all types of shit. And so over the past, I would say, oh gosh, um, maybe since 2014, I really, really made that a focal point of asking for what I want and what I need. It wasn't always classy, but I did what I had to do. And then sometimes when I get stuck, me being from Seattle, of course, first, I tell myself, what would a white woman do? And I just bounce off that because sometimes (laughs) you need, you need a reminder. (laughs) Yeah, that's, that's interesting because I think the first like seed of this understanding and knowledge that I got about being able to ask for what you want and not just yeah. what you need actually was a conversation I had with you. We're uh, on the rooftop. Your friend Jasmine yes. was there. And we're talking about if you went into a restaurant and you got served cold fries, what would you do? <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> and like, I remember being scared. Like, mm. oh my gosh, like I would not, like I would just eat the cold fries because I'm afraid if I ask for what I want, it comes with consequences, you yes. know? But like, yeah. that's a bigger story too, yes. right? Yes. And like, I loved that you looked at the person who was like, well, I'll just eat them. And you're like, Mm-mm. no like Mm-mm. if i have asked for fries i expect them to be warm you yes. know and like yes. full stop and that whole conversation i was just sitting back and listening i mean yeah. <laughs> there had been drinks that had, had <laughs> we had some extracurriculars that day <laughs> so, of course i mean when you said rooftop i hear drinks yes <laughs> so, yeah um and i'm also mad that you said that if you hang around black people enough the hennessy is gonna come out and someone Let's brought hennessy that night <laughs> uh, listen, there are some things I know about my people, yeah. and that's something I know about them. Hennessy is always at play, always uh, so at play. <laughs> always, girl. Speaking of, yeah. actually, when I was in Mexico, mm-hmm. I was asking for something, and I wasn't sure what I wanted, and he recommended Hennessy. I, said, I, don't, I don't drink. I don't drink Hennessy. Yeah. What are you trying to say? Like, <laughs> I've not been on the Henny since college. Okay, let me live my life. Uh-uh. No, thank you. For me, seeing you as another black woman, you know, and asking not just for you what you need, but what you want was like a very powerful moment. And Jasmine was also there too. And like she was saying that as well. And I got into this workplace and I work for a nonprofit, right? Mm -hmm. And we do racial equity advocacy within tech, which is a Mm -hmm. hot mess. And a lot of it is just like, you don't have to bully people to manage them. Like yeah. you, you could really make work human centered and be mm-hmm. just as productive as, if not more. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And one of the things that my CEO always tells us is like, don't ask just for what you need. Ask for what you want. I you love want. that. And I love that. It was scary for me. Mm. It was like, I remember when I first got there, I was living, mm-hmm. <laughs> and the neighborhood was just not giving. <laughs> uh, I made a mistake. Like, y'all, oh, if you're listening to this, always tour the neighborhood and count the liquor stores before you move in because it was. It was a learning. Um, that and, is so um, funny. Yeah, it's so. I was in this apartment complex. Wait, wait. I just want to let people know. Yeah, I didn't have that ratatata experience. <laughs> um, Janelle and I lived in the same apartment, but we lived in different buildings. <laughs> yeah, I was. Um, I was across. You were the on street. the street side. Yeah. yeah, you were by the action. Yeah, the bar that people always go in, but you never see anyone leaving. Like I left. <laughs> Yeah, you did. The only person that ever left was you, and you left the state. <laughs> I went right in that bar. I left a couple times, and then I moved yes. away. You're right. Yeah. You're right. You're um, right. <laughs> but anyway, so I had just started this job, and the housing, the instability of the housing environment that I lived in was yeah. highly impacting me. Yes. And one day, I saw this woman get like seemingly abducted in front of my eyes. It was very traumatic. Not it's a fun crazy. thing. Yeah. No. And like, this is on top of a lot of other, like a lot of things that happen that mm-hmm. I'll just leave to y'all's imagination. Right. I was like, I'm going to take uh, the rest of the day off. My company has this really cool thing where it's like, you know what, do what you need mm-hmm. um, and work, you know, just as long as you get the work done, fine. Yeah, which I uh, love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's yeah. great. It, it's a really great place. So, um, and I was just like, this is what I've seen, and I'm going to take the rest of the day off. My CEO calls me the next morning, early morning before work time starts, and is like, hey, Janelle, I saw what you posted. Do you want to maybe think about giving yourself more time and space to rest Mm. and recover? Yes. We have a stipend. There is room for you. Go stay at a hotel, you know, for a few days. Take care of yourself. Yeah. Um, And I remember in that moment, fear coming up. Because of this whole thing about pain and having yep. to be in pain. And it's like, yep. I'm new at this place. Yep. And I'm having all these things pop up with my housing. Mm-hmm. And I know from my past jobs, I need to show up. Yeah. Because showing up is tied to your productivity. And your productivity is tied to your belonging. Yep. And your advancement. Yes. And so... I was like, no, 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 I'm okay, like, I'm okay, okay. like, literally in tears on the Mm -hmm. phone with her, I'm just like, you know, I'll I'll just, you know, Mm -hmm. take some coffee, or like, you know, maybe, Mm -hmm. and then she's like, hey, in times of crisis, sometimes I know for myself, it is hard to make decisions Mm -hmm. that are for me, or in Mm -hmm. my best interest, so I really Mm -hmm. just want to give you space and time to think about if you want to take this time for yourself 
Yeah. Nothing on your calendar calendar is critical.、Mm-hmm. Everything can be moved. Like your、Man. job is secure. You don't have to worry about any of that. And so、that. I took the I took the time off. It was like five days paid hotel bed、oh. and breakfast. Like yes, and it, what it did for my nervous system and、mm-hmm. relaxing and a peaceful and safe、mm-hmm. place and having space away from that situation yeah. and yeah. what it did also for like. My soul、mm-hmm. and being seen and like my humanity prioritized over my productivity and what I could offer this organization、yeah. was like I told them I'm like I'm not ever leaving. Okay, <laughs> you can fire me. I'm、okay. showing up. <laughs> I'll still be there. Yeah, yeah. It, and and that's like and that's the workplace that I work at. And the, that's the work that I do with、mm-hmm. these companies in tech. I tell them like. You don't have to be in pain, and、no. I think so many of us are operating with the assumption that we have to have a relationship with pain, and we have to be in pain. And it's like you don't, you don't. Sometimes, I mean, logistically, like there will take steps. In、mm-hmm. order to get away from situations that are painful, yeah. But that doesn't have to be your expectation of life. True, and so for you, what was it like? Well, first, your boss. What what's、um, their ethnicity? She's black.、Yeah. Okay, so what was it like for you to have this black woman be like, pause, pour into you, give you more space and time? Because you don't have to pay for anything, right? Those、mm-hmm. five days, right?、Yeah. What was that like for you in that moment? Honestly, it was just like. So it's still like it's been months since this happened, but there's so many layers that came with that of like one, like a recognition of fear on a deep level that I didn't understand, and、mm. then just this beautiful feeling of like being seen and known and loved and、mm. cared for, like yeah, belonging. The definition of belonging. Really got audited deeply for me.、Mm-hmm. Like, how do I take this and carry this new understanding that belonging, as she's telling me, is not tied to productivity. Yeah. Um. In what you can bring, you know,、mm-hmm. and as like someone who very much has struggled with perfectionism in their life,、mm-hmm. to have someone tell me like, yeah, just taking care of yourself and like the work. Will be there, you know. Whenever、yeah. it is, like,、yeah. was very freeing and liberating for me. But it、mm-hmm. was also incredibly hard too because I had to give up the fight. Of, yeah, like, I don't have to prove that、yeah. I, I can do it, and I, you know, I'm ready and I'm prepared. I can、yeah. relax and ease into this. Like my、yeah. edges were restored, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I woke up the next day. Okay. <laughs> Okay. Yeah.、Um, oh, so yeah, I love just, that. Yeah, and it's like you see these messages. My colleagues were, were a very small team, and their responses whenever someone is out is always like, "Thank you for taking care of yourself." Oh. <sighs> right. What a beautiful thing! Just being, like you said, just being seen. Right. Yeah.、And、when you were saying you were fighting、um, against. Being poured into the being seen, the being、yeah. held, 
all that, not, you know, not wanting to give up the fight. For me, that's such a default for us because what we're used to is living in pain. What we're mm-hmm. used to is silencing. What we're used to is making ourselves small. What we're used to saying is, I'll be okay. Which mm-hmm. in that moment, my, my friend actually told me this the other day. When we say, I'll be okay, actually in the moment, you're saying, I'm not okay. Yes. You know? Oof. So it's like, that's the default a lot of us have to fight against. Like, how I, I can't imagine a boss saying to me, go ahead and take five days off and here's our company card, you know? Yeah. And of course you want to fight against that because you're thinking, oh my God, will this mean I won't be advanced? Will this mean I'm looking, I'm seen as weak? Will this mean I can't do my job? And trusting that brings up trauma and, and pain too. So I'm loving that you're having this experience. I hope more people have this experience in their jobs. And I just wanted to name like that default to fight what we know, what we think will get us to where we're trying to get to being used to feeling pain every day when we can feel seen, heard and respected. Yes. And actually like one of the last times we talked on the phone, I was telling you about a relationship that was no longer serving, right? Mm -hmm. Like it it had not been uh, a time. It was (laughs) one a time. (laughs) One a time. One a time. (laughs) And you know, you just gave me like in love, like now Janelle, you know what you need to do. <laughs> and I knew, but yeah. it went back to that default of like, mm-hmm. you know, like I understand this person's context. Yeah. And so yeah. like, I want to be, you know, in relationship. This was a friend in relationship because I, I get their pain, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I'm in pain. Yes. And, like, I had to say to myself, like, it is not okay for me to be in pain Mm -hmm. to maintain a relationship. (sighs) Yes. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And And I think that's what a lot of us, especially you and I, are working on. And you've said to me before, I think... I don't even remember when this was. I remember I was just I was just starting up telling you some bullshit. And you were like, girl, you already know what you need to do. And I was like, but can I tell you the last two sentences? Maybe you, you know, you didn't hear the whole story. You're like, mm-mm. Right? Oh, I know what it was now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We, we ain't gotta say it, yeah, but no, we all know, you know. <laughs> Y'all so just fill in the blanks. <laughs> And they will, and they will. Gosh, re reworking our mind and uh, and really our body, right? Mm-hmm. Like we don't have pain does not have to be a part of my every day. Yeah. I do not have to wake up with pain. I don't have to go to bed with pain. And it just happens in so many ways. It happens in so many ways. Getting cut off in line or not, not getting your hot fries, yeah. right? Or, or going to Whole Foods and not thinking you can ask for a slice. I mean, it's, it's fucking Whole Foods. Like, right? I just, I just want us to start walking through this world as like the prizes that we are. Yeah. It is an honor to meet us and it is an honor to be acquainted with us. It is an honor to be in your space, your business, your service. Yes. And so it's like, once you own that, then you will walk around as such. Yeah, I'm here. 
Did I buy the twelve ninety nine wine? Yeah, I did. So yeah. So and what? <laughs> and what? Right. And what? I bought some chips too. Oh. So it's like just owning that, and when you walk through life, it feels so much different. Yeah. I deserve good things. I deserve quality mm. things. I deserve to get what I'm asking for, and I deserve to speak to your supervisor if I need to. Did you hear all that stuff that's happening with American Airlines? No, I have like just not even looked at the news. I get mm. I get too reactive to it, and so yeah. I try. I'm on Instagram, like I live on Instagram. Uh, <laughs> you always get a two second response back from me, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. unless there's a crisis. <laughs> um, and so I I see stuff anyways there, and so I've been trying to be mindful of what I take in of. Uh, like that balance between staying informed, but also realizing like as a black woman existence in itself yeah. already comes with a lot of daily trauma. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. No, you're, I don't, I don't blame you. I was telling myself the other day, I'm like, I think I might need to um, take a break from social media. I reach, I usually never say that, but I just mm. feel like, I just feel like I want to step back. I don't know why yeah. I'm not going to challenge it. I'm just going to go with it. Yeah. But the short of this, the American airlines thing is that they've been um, understaffed severely. Like a lot of airlines have been. And I guess a lot of people have been getting their flights canceled left and right. So there's a situation where someone got their flight canceled and they were like, well, we can't give you any voucher. Even though that person didn't live in that city. They're like, we can't give you a voucher for hotel. But then in the comments, people were saying, same thing happened to me. I spoke to the supervisor or I called customer service and they got, gave me a voucher. And it just has me think like, gosh, it's so hard to stand in a line. Everyone's aggravated behind you mm-hmm. and you're talking to the gate agent or whatever. And you know, you're holding up the line mm-hmm. and you know, you're asking to see to supervisor or you may not even be thinking you can ask for that. I think the pressure of knowing everyone's looking at you and all oh, this black woman or you're holding up the line or whatever. Mm-hmm. I just go back, like, take up the space. Yeah. Take up the sp- So what are you going to do? Sleep in the airport or spend your money that you didn't plan on spending? So what you're saying, continuing to be in pain because I want to make sure the rest of this line is good. Well, I, I think, like, a key thing that you brought up there, too, is, like, in staying in that line, you are continuing to uphold Mm. and validate your humanity like i think that one of i will personalize it and say that as a black woman i have often denied my right to Mm. live a fully human life with all Mm. the emotions that i feel for fear of falling into stereotype tropes and also the way in which those stereotypes are weaponized against me Mm. of like my request which is just a simple request Mm -hmm. is now being utilized to make me seem aggressive, angry, Mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera. But it's like, White women are allowed to be angry and aggressive yeah. all the time. All the um, time. All the time and not be labeled as angry and mm-hmm. aggressive, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. like what does that say and what does that do to the psyche to fear all the things that are just human? Yeah. 
And so, like, I love that because, yeah, I'm allowed, just like any other person in this world, I'm allowed to be angry. I'm allowed to be impatient. I'm allowed to be upset. I'm allowed to make mistakes and Mm -hmm. still be served. Like, and still still be served. served, You know, like, I do not have to be faultless Mm -hmm. and ever enduring of pain in order to be served. And I'm going to stay in that line. I'm staying in the line. I, I love, love that. that. <laughs> oh, honoring your humanity. Oof. Right? That, that literally has me thinking about how uh, slaves, African slaves, you know, humanity was out the window, right? Mm-hmm. And we know how that plays into generations and generational trauma. And we also know how internalized racism works, right? And when you said that, it had me thinking of, those moments when I'm not honoring my own humanity, it's that internalized racism at play, it's that white supremacy, internalized yeah. white supremacy, if that's even a term, um, at play. It's like, dang. It, what we're saying to ourselves is, dang, you're right. I don't deserve a voucher for a hotel that an airline that I, uh, that I paid for. Yeah. You're right. I do deserve to sit in pain and, and sit in the corner and then watch this, this couple come up right behind me and get everything I requested. Exactly. It's like, no, no. You're a human. So for me, and I'm thinking about how to help um, the listeners, it's like I really want to encourage you to uh, test it out. You know? It could, and I always like to start with small things. Like when you go to Starbucks and they spell your name wrong. Tell them. Actually, it's spelled like this. Have them do whatever they got to do. Cross it out. Write it again. Let it be known that this is how your name is spelled and this is what you would like. You asked for my name. Now I'm telling you how to spell it, right? Like honoring your humanity. I love that. Yeah, it's it's definitely a journey. Um, I think I try to have a lot of grace and understanding for myself and mm-hmm. that this is something that comes up with a lot of a lot of external pressures that yeah. make it hard to like feel like I can do this yeah. <laughs> because sometimes it will cost you to preserve yes. your humanity, right? Oh, absolutely. Um, so I, I I do that with like a lot of um, understanding that like in in some ways like it is much harder to um, respect my humanity and preserve it. Mm-hmm. But ways in which I have done this recently have been, you know, like the gym, um, just finding joyful movement and any place in which I am moving in pain, um, trying to eliminate that in my life Mm -hmm. at the hair salon, you know, like speaking up and saying, Hey, this hurts my head. And if that hairstylist doesn't respond with it, I'm so, you know, so mm-hmm. sorry, or, like, I'm try. I'd like to try a different method Yeah. than, like, choosing to release that relationship. Yes, that, or, you know, when they try to um, say, like, they know what's best. Like, mm-hmm. you don't have to, like you said, choosing, choosing your pain. I think, I think it's um, definitely a journey of grace mm-hmm. and, and, like, bravery, you know, and just honoring yourself because, it's hard. It's, you don't, who wants to get the stereotype? Mm-hmm. Who wants to be deemed the stereotypical black woman trope? Like, who wants that? I, I get that. And then I tell myself, they're, if they're already thinking that anyways, who, like, who cares? Yeah. Yeah. Because if this confirms a racist belief, 
maybe you need to dig into why you have that racist belief. Mm-hmm. Like, that's mm-hmm. not my work, you yeah. know? It's not. Yeah, and I think I do this a lot in my work, right? In I often am working in tech, which moves in urgency. And in moving in urgency, there's not always space for the rhythms of life. Like, you can't mm. always be 10 out of 10 ready to come into work and, like, get stuff done. Yeah. And another way in which I do this work of, you know, releasing pain out of my life or the expectation of pain is when I talk to these companies and the ways in which they run meetings and relationships Mm -hmm. and particularly with black employees, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And trying to advocate um, for cultural understanding and competency. Um, And it's hard sometimes because I worked in tech before I worked in this nonprofit. Mm -hmm. And I know that tech above anything else it pretends to be meritocratous, but it's oh, really on. not. <laughs> For the people in the back, what, is, what does that word mean? <laughs> that, that your own hard efforts mm. will be the way in which you ascend to a higher level within oh. the company, right? Mm-hmm. It, it's not really. Because no. um, no. <laughs> let me tell you, some of these C-suites is oh, just okay. my frat brothers and my I. My frat brother <laughs> just happen to fall into it. <laughs> yeah, but that, that's for another day. But, um, <laughs> so, like, one of the ways in which I do... Um, try and embolden releasing pain is saying hard truths of like, hey, we actually need to think about the fact that black and brown communities often come from multi-generational households and that's valid. Mm -hmm. And that has an impact on your healthcare policies, your day off policies. And we have to have real conversations about the way in which you're saying that you want to increase diversity within your companies, and yet you're creating all these roadblocks um, that leave people who would otherwise want to be in your companies in very hard or painful situations of having to choose their beloved family member or this attendance policy that's arbitrary and unnecessary, mm. you know? And so let's release people from having the burden of that pain. Mm-hmm by changing this policy. So are you saying, if you're able to talk about it, are you saying, like, people having different work schedules to accommodate the multi-generation? Mm-hmm. Are you, okay. Yeah, so it's a lot about changing policies and practices within companies so that um, black people can show up and show up abundantly, mm-hmm. right? It's about white supremacy within professionalism. Yeah. Um, and how... Even in this idea of integration, we often ask, we often ask black people to integrate into companies that are harmful to black, com- uh, black people and black communities mm. and harmful to them because a lot of the structure and foundations of the company are heavily embedded with white supremacy. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, you want to bring in black bodies. But then they have to go through all this pain and trauma because you haven't done the work to make the culture accessible, hospitable, yeah. and inviting to these black people. Yeah. And it's like, do the work first mm-hmm. of getting all this, the, what is it, the water out of the swamp, draining the swamp. There we go. <laughs> yeah. And then once you've done that, 
then invite black people into the company mm. because they shouldn't wow. have to they should not have to have the burden mm-hmm. of experiencing trauma to come into your company yeah and your company to have more diversity absolutely god that's such a good point it would make such a difference to have um different working hours to have even i was even thinking about like what would it be like if companies had like a day off each month mm-hmm. you know like just i mean just things like that i did see a lot of companies have juneteenth off which i was like okay you know cool good start mm-hmm. And now here you saying there's just, there's is so much deeper as we know. And I'm just, I'm just, it's exciting that I know someone that's doing this work, like talking to the C-suite. What? <laughs> I, I don't talk to the C-suite. The C-suite, no. <laughs> like we talked to, we talked to managers. I, and, I, so you know, cool. and, yeah. An occasional C-suite person See? is really, yeah. The small, small startups usually are a lot more agile. They're ready to do the work together. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And partnership. Um, and even like, you know, I think when we look at like diversity, equity, and inclusion work, trying yeah. to really essentially integrate, mm-hmm. um, the workforce yeah. on a deeper level, um, a lot of times really what is being asked by these predominantly white tech companies is to explain your trauma as a black person. Yeah. Like, explain to me why that is painful mm-hmm. to you. I want to know that. And it's like, why is my work of trying to create a more inclusive workforce that's good for all yeah. a, a requirement of me to share my trauma and pain mm-hmm. so that you can understand it? Exactly. I'm curious, what would you say to the women of color who are in tech? How would mm-hmm. you suggest them to like, like, having less pain in their job. So tech mm-hmm. is very, very stressful. Yet you get a really big paycheck and my job is a traumatic force. Yeah. It's it's hard because a lot of the rewards offered in tech are tied to your the level of agreement that you will have of cultural genocide. Like we want a black body, but not black culture. Mm, unless gosh. it's Juneteenth or Black yep. History Month. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, or unless it's profitable to us. Yeah, we have a campaign. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and I would say that one thing that I see for a lot of black women and just black people in general in tech is get involved in work they need C- C-suite level power. Your CEO, COO, CTO, mm-hmm. um, in order to create programs or policies that make the workforce more bearable mm-hmm. or tolerable mm-hmm. for people of color. Yeah. And it's not compensating. Mm-hmm. And I want to say to those people, those individuals, that it is not your job. Yes. It is not your responsibility. And also, like, just because you have the potential to make changes happen does not mean that you have the burden of doing so. Mm -hmm. Um, In our work, one of the things that we tell young college students who are interested in pursuing jobs and careers in tech is Mm -hmm. that, like, 
just because you're a person of color and you have this understanding about white supremacy and um, racial inequity does not mean that you are burdened with having to solve it and do the work to, you know, make things right in the world. Mm -hmm. It's okay for you to just get your check and like get your bag and go home. That's okay. And I think that's, again, the reclaiming of your humanity Mm -hmm. of like, I don't have to be this black martyr. No, um, you don't. Yeah. Yeah. And so, that. yeah. Yeah. That, that would be my advice as a first stepping stone mm. to black people in particular is yeah. to know that like, one, um, you do not have to participate in, you know, this cultural assimilation that is a, a form of cultural genocide for mm-hmm. you and your blackness mm-hmm. in order to do well in tech. You will find places and spaces that wow. celebrate yeah. you. Yes, you did. So it is possible. Yeah, I sure did. <laughs> okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. Celebrating me and my income is celebrated. Okay. okay? So <laughs> And and you get to work from home. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. And yeah, and and so it's like you don't have to expect the breadcrumbs of life mm-hmm. there is there is more than enough space for you to show up in your fullness yeah. in the right workplace yeah. um, i love it and then the second thing is also like you do not have to do um you do not have to do the work just mm-hmm. because you're black and you have an understanding of what's happening in the world um on like a white supremacist system systemic understanding does not mm-hmm. mean that you have to do that it is hard of fucking enough just being black and living you do not have to be a black martyr in this life like there are people who that's the thing that they want to do Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like i choose to do this work Mm -hmm. i enjoy it um it's sometimes you know sometimes good sometimes maybe shit (laughs) um but i like i like the work that i do and it's impactful meaningful to me Mm -hmm. and that is my choice as a human being to choose to use my years and my days on this work you do not have to give up what you want to do and what brings you joy Mm -hmm. because you see the urgency of the moment i love that i love that it reminds me when i was very new to my career working in agency and I did all the things. I, I wanted to do diversity training. I wanted to lead it. I wanted. I joined the diversity committee, which was one of the most traumatic things I ever experienced. And hearing you talk about, like, yeah, we had someone from C-suite there, and it was still very traumatizing. It was still very, well, I don't understand that. It was still very, um, when the black man spoke, he was told he was speaking eloquently. Yet after I spoke or one of my female black colleagues spoke, it was like, whoa, it's getting, it's getting really intense here, Mm -hmm. you know? And so knowing that, yes, I'm black. Um, yes, I'm in tech. I don't have to join these committees to change the workforce. I love what you said. Just get the check and get the back. Like to me, that is honoring your humanity. Mm -hmm. Most times people are making over a hundred grand starting in tech. Go live your life. Yeah. You know, if you are feeling so-called, create a little grassroots thing in your community, you know, or try, I don't know, like, you don't have to, you don't have to join a diversity committee. I love that. You don't have to do that. And like, that's the thing too, that I think that's like so dehumanizing to black people is that like by birth, we are often burdened with explaining our humanity to others and then having to do work that is related to that because like (laughs) you know waving in the general direction of society yeah and it's like for 
people who are not marginalized, let's just say white people, mm-hmm. there's no expectation that you have to do any of the work of unlearning whiteness mm-hmm. and white supremacy, mm-hmm. which should change because it's really like Absolutely. up to white folks to mm-hmm. solve this problem it because is. it's a white people problem, a, a white supremacist problem. Yeah. Um, and, you know, like you can just choose what you want to do mm-hmm. in life. You may have family things that impact that and other things, but like there's no obligation towards, you know, representing your people well or advocating for change. And being okay with the fact that if I just stay in this entry level job or middle management position, even though I want to get to director or whatever, thinking like, the if it comes with an amount of pain that you're not comfortable with like just being okay with where you're at like you are enough where you are at like your whole life doesn't have to be about advancing in this job like just yeah i wish someone would have told me that whenever i see like first black something i'm like "Mm -mm, i wouldn't want to be it no Mm -mm. no no that's not for Mm -mm. me i know (laughs) i know i was thinking that i was like because people are saying like, oh my gosh, mainly white people I hear say, wow, it's 2022 and they're still the first black something. And I'm just like, I can't even join that conversation. Like, I don't, <laughs> right? I'm going to get back to watching reruns of Moesha. Like, I'm good here. You know? But um, I know we are, we've been talking for a long time. I don't want to keep you all day. I mean, secretly. Yes, I want to keep you all day. I want us to... Um, just respect your time and just to see if you had anything else to say before we end your geniusness. You're just so happy that you got on today. Finally, people, people don't understand. I've been trying to get her on the show since last year. So I am honored. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I guess I would just say like, everything is a journey, you know, take your time. Like you don't have to figure things out at once. I'm, I'm still learning on a lot of things. Um, learning not to be in pain and, and that encroaching in all areas of my life, right? Some parts of it it has been easier and other parts have cost me and been harder. Um, but on the other side of that, there's been so much just peace. Yeah. and ease in my days mm-hmm. and it, it's been completely worth it and I just want to say that um if anyone is listening to this podcast and it resonates with them the things that we've been talking about that you know I'm rooting for you and I hope the very best and all good things for you I love that yes I love that Janelle again thank you so much for coming on the show um this will not be the only time. Hey, Please believe. Hey. <laughs> we will definitely have more conversation about so many other things. And I've definitely seen you more at peace. I've definitely seen you more lighter since all the decisions that you made just over the past, what, just few months, really. Yeah. That I can really yeah. name. And so I'm so proud of you. Oh, um, <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome, girl. I see it. I see it. All right. So if anyone is interested in staying in contact with Janelle and hearing more about um, maybe options for yourself on having a work environment similar to hers or doing the kind of work that she's doing, I will put all that information in the show notes. Thank you so much, Janelle. Hope you have a great day, girl. Thank you, Dante.
Thank you for listening to the show, loves. This show was produced by Mackenzie Mazel and me, Dantea. If you got a question you'd like me to answer, which I know you do, please send it to Dantea at soireesandtherapy.com. That's S-O-I-R-E-E-S for soirees. When you do that, the answer might just become an episode, and I would love to keep talking about your question. Want to work with me? The link is in the show notes. I'll see you there and I'll see you in the next episode. Okay.